0: And um, there's been a lot um, of kind of coldy, fluey things going around over the last kind of month or two, haven't there? And um, just uh, just put up your hand for a moment if you've got a cold or a bit of a fluey thing at the moment, or you've had one over the last kind of month or two. Um I would have thought it's most of you, I think some of you are being a little bit shy, because I think pretty much everybody that I've spoken to over the last couple of months, at some way or another has said to me, um, you know, they've, they've got a bit of a cold. And, um, and suffering a little bit with, uh, in one way... Or another. You know, and then it's not much fun, is it, when that happens? You know, and, and sometimes when we've got a bit of a cold or a bit of a flu, it really is nothing more than a bit of a cough and a sniffle, uh, which is, is all that I've got at the moment. But sometimes it can get really bad, can't it? And, um, and when it gets really bad, what do we do? Well, I tend to find that, that what we do is we doze ourselves up with as much LEMSIP as we can possibly kind of contain. We kind of demolish tube upon tube of throat sweets and cough sweets, Um, And we use up about a tree's worth of tissues as we blow our nose. And and what happens is that we deal with the symptoms so that we can kind of keep going. And we can kind of, could just kind of cover over those symptoms in the hopes that the cold will pass. And and that's the thing, isn't it? None of the things that we actually do, not the LEMSIP or the throat sweets or the tissues... None of them actually cure us of the cold. They simply treat the symptoms and help us to cover it up and make living with it more bearable. And you know, I think that's so often how we can approach life in general. We, we look at ourselves and we, we look at other people and what we see are the external things. What we see are the symptoms. And and so periodically we we make a a decision that it's time for things to change. It's time for for us to to kind of step out and to to stop losing our tempers and being grumpy and irritable and snapping at the people that we love. Or we decide we're going to use our time differently and actually we're going to spend more time with our kids or more time with our our wives or our husbands or we're going to spend more time with with God or in some way or another we're going to put other people first. Or we're going to make the the commitment that we're going to be more wise with our money. And we're going to stop wasting it on things that we don't really need so that we can start to to save up. Or we can be more generous and and more giving or we can finally get out of debt. Or we decide I'm going to start to uh, serve more. Or I'm going to start to share my faith more. Or I'm going to stop slipping up time and time again over the exact same things. Or maybe I, I'm just going to—it's going to make this decision that I'm going to deal with this insecurity that I seem to carry with me, and I'm going to become a more confident me. And to do that, what do we do? We read books, and we get advice about what it looks like to do things differently. We we buy apps for our phones that, that promise that they will help us to be better with our time management. Or that they will promise to help us to get us exercising more. Or they'll promise to to help us to start spending better quality time with God. We do all sorts of different things and some of them, do you know, some of them might be really helpful. Some of them might be effective. Some of them might work. But essentially what we are doing with all of them is we are treating the symptoms. We are treating the external things that we see as an issue and finding ways to to get through and make things more bearable without ever really finding a cure. And what do I mean by that? Well, you see, all of these external things, all of, of these things that we see and that bother us, that we want to change, are really symptoms of what's going on inside of us and a reflection of our heart. But you know, it's a lot easier to buy some LEMSIP or to have some cough sweets or to get some tissues. It's a lot easier to treat the symptoms than it is to transform our heart. And you know, we, we began a new series last week called Float. You know, as we look together and we begin to unpack Ezekiel 47. And what we find in that chapter is a God-given vision of transformation. You know, things are looking pretty bad for the nation of Israel. the the temple and their cities have been destroyed and they're living in exile in the place of Babylon. And as they look at themselves and they, they look at their situation and the world around them, there is not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of reason to expect anything to change. And then God gives Ezekiel this vision of a new temple. And from that temple flows this trickle of water that becomes a stream, that becomes a river, that becomes a torrent of water. And this water enters the Dead Sea. It enters the place where there is no hope that things will ever change. And it brings life. It transforms everything. And then Ezekiel looks up and, and he sees trees on both sides of the river. And, and these are trees unlike anything that you've, you've ever seen. We We can read about it, what he sees in Ezekiel 47 verse 12, where he says this. He says, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary... Flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Would you like some water? You can have some water. (laughs) You know, these are miracle trees. These are miracle trees that, that defy the laws of nature. You know, they bear the most incredible, beautiful fruit. And they bear that fruit every single month without fail. You know, they never wither. They are constantly flourishing in the fullness of life. And why? Because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Because the presence of God, the life of God, flows to them. And where the river flows, everything will live. Where the river flows, it brings transformation. And you know, we all have times in our lives when we realize that something that we do or something that we fail to do or an attitude that we have is not okay. And we're determined to change. But so often how I've gone about that and maybe how you have too is out of my own determination and out of my own striving. You know, I've sat down and I've made plans, and I've written it down, and I've talked it through with Rosie about how I'm going to start going to bed early, and I'm going to start getting up earlier, and I'm going to start using my time better. I've forced myself to start doing things that I don't really want to do because I know it's what's best for me, hoping that somehow, in making myself do it, I'll start to want to do it. And they're good changes but they're changes that I'm striving to make on my own. And essentially, I'm acting like a fruit tree. A fruit tree that's determined to start bearing fruit in whatever the season, all year out, month in and month out, because that's what would look best. And so I strive and I do this and I try that when all along on the inside nothing has changed. And so in my experience, then it's only a matter of, of time before that striving becomes exhausting. And you slip back to the old patterns of behaviour. Maybe some of you have been through something similar in kind of those kind of cycles. And one of the key things that that we discover in this vision that Ezekiel has is that transformation, the starting point of transformation and what we need for ongoing transformation is for the water from the sanctuary to flow into us. For the life of God to flow into us and to transform us from the inside out. To not only deal with the external symptoms but to finally find the cure. And you know, this is a huge topic that we'll probably be focused on for a couple of weeks as we explore what it it looks like to be where the river is. What it looks like for the the life of God to flow into us and for us to put our roots down and to, to draw out our life, to draw out our nourishment and our strength from the river of God. And to help us to do that, we're going to start by looking at a a simple prayer that Paul prays uh, for the believers at the church in Ephesus. You see, this isn't a new issue. This isn't something that we struggle with, but nobody used to years ago. But from the very beginning, people have been tempted to get caught up and focused on the external things, on the symptoms, on the things they see, the things that they can control. When what actually makes the biggest impact, what actually brings the greatest transformation are our heart issues. And so this is Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. That's how serious he takes this. This is how much it matters to him. He gets down on his knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You know, this is about what goes on inside of us. Paul is praying that that God would strengthen the inside of us and that he would bring transformation to our hearts. And so he goes on and he says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's an amazing prayer. And this prayer that Paul prays is very much about each and every believer receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. But he's not praying as we would often pray that we would have power to do something, that we would have power to perform miracles or power to move in spiritual gifts. Or, or power to, to simply overcome sinful habits and to change our external behaviour, that the Holy Spirit would come into our lives to help us to do something. Paul is praying for, for an inner power, an inner power for us and a strength that the Holy Spirit gives us. You to come here. Come up here. Oh, hello. You've 't determined to get on this stage, so come and join me. No, he's praying for an, an inner power that the Holy Spirit would give us a strength inside, so that we can know know the unknowable, know the thing which surpasses knowledge, and understand the love of Jesus, so that you and I could be filled with the fullness of God. Now, that's the goal. That's their aim. That's the reason that Paul gets on his knees and is praying. And Paul is saying that the thing that will change everything and bring about transformation in your life is not a, a symptom, it's not an external thing that you can see and you can control, it's a heart issue. Is for you to know just, just how much you have in Jesus. For you to know and to understand the love that he has for you because when you get that, it changes everything. No, and when you get this, it's massive. Because do you know, I realise that that part of my problem is that I don't understand the love of God like I should. And, do you know? Part of your problem is that you don't understand the love of God like you should. You don't understand how God, how high and how deep and how wide and how long is the love of Jesus for you. You know, for, for many of us here, we kind of do. You know, I kind of do. I kind of get it. And because we kind of do, we've, we've made a decision that, that we want to follow Jesus and we want to give our lives to Him. But you know, when we really understand just how much God loves us, then it changes us, and it brings transformation, it changes everything. And that's the miracle that that Paul is praying for here. It's not a a miracle of physical healing, it's not a, a miracle of God's provision in some kind of material outward way, or some kind of external symptom to be treated. It's a miracle on the core of our inside of our being, that we would understand his love. You know, and Paul prays for this because he knew that there was nothing, nothing that he could do in the natural to make them get it. Can I go to mummy. There you go. You know, there's nothing that he could do in the natural to make them get it. And you know, no matter how hard I work, no matter what I say, This morning or at any other time, I can't make somebody understand that God loves them. Now I can make the introduction, I can tell you about it, I can introduce you to his love, but I can't make you understand that God loves you. And I can't make you fall in love with Jesus in return. No, I can tell you about Jesus, and and you know, I, I, I can say, listen, you know, the Creator of the world, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who made everything, the only one who really matters. He loves you, and he loves you more than your wife loves you, or your husband loves you, he loves you more than your kids love you, he loves you more than your parents love you, he loves you more than you love any of them. In fact, he loves you more than how they love you and how you love them, all rolled into one. He is crazy about you. How do I know that? Well, he loved you so much that despite how you turned your back on him and chose to do things your own way and lived life without him and ignored him and pushed him away, despite how even since you became a follower of Jesus, you've done things and maybe you continue to do things that deep down you know grieve the heart of God. He loved you so much that despite all of that, he chose to give up the glory of heaven and to come to earth 2,000 years ago and to die on a cross out of love for you. You know, even then, even 2,000 years ago, so long before you were born, God knew you. And he knew all that you would do He knew everything that would happen in your life. And he loved you so much that he was willing to sacrifice his life for you. And then after being buried for for three days, Jesus rises from the grave and he's alive right now. And he's still reaching out to you and his promise is to send his spirit to live inside of you. To transform you from the inside out, to fill you with his love. To be with you always. That's his love put into action. And it's an amazing love. And for some of you, you know, as I, as I talk about the love of God, maybe something stirs in your heart. Maybe something stirs within you and there's a, a, a thankfulness and there's an experience of it and you can kind of have that sense of, of God's love inside of you. But maybe for some of you, who, who don't know Jesus for yourselves, you might sit there and I say, That's nice, it all sounds good, but you know, I'm not really sure I, I believe you. Maybe for some of you who, who have, have been followers of Jesus for a long time, you'll say, That's nice, but you know, I've heard it all before. And it's, it's great information that I've got in my head, but you know what? It just doesn't really hit my heart. And you know, I can make the introduction. I can talk about the love of God, but nothing will happen until somehow, like Paul prays, the Holy Spirit moves amongst us and gives you the strength to know the love of Jesus that surpasses knowledge. Until he moves so that this knowledge that you have in your head, this information that you've got in your head, somehow sinks into your heart in a way beyond anything that you can understand with your mind and becomes a love that you experience. And that's why Paul gets down on his knees and prays. And that's, this is what my prayer is for for you today. Now in order for you to, to get this, God has to move supernaturally, and that's out of my hands. Move supernaturally to pour his love into your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's when his love flows continually into your heart in an ever-increasing way that you will be transformed and that I will be transformed and that we will be filled with the fullness of God. Now, do you want to know something more of the love of God today? Not just as a, a knowledge in your head, but as an experience in your heart. Now, I know that I do. You know, and in Paul's prayer we see a progression in in how we grow in our knowledge and experience of the love of God. You know, it begins with, he says, being rooted and established in the love of God. And and this is what we see with the trees in Ezekiel 47. You know, they have rooted themselves in the love of God. It it became the the foundation upon which they, they, they were built and where they drew their life from. And when we root and establish ourselves in the love of God, it becomes where our lives are built upon. becomes where we draw our life from, what nourishes us, what strengthens us. And we root ourselves in the love of God. We root ourselves in Jesus when we make the decision to give our lives to him. You know, when we make the decision to follow him and we invite him into our hearts. You know, and if you're here this morning and, and you haven't made that decision before, then let me encourage you that Jesus loves you. And you might be sat there thinking, how, how could he love me when all of these things have happened in my life? If God really loved me, surely they wouldn't have happened. But I want to tell you today that, that God has been with you through every single moment. He knows exactly what you've been through. And Not only does he know what you've been through, but his heart has been grieved by some of the things that you have been through. And he hates What you have suffered in the midst of this messed up and broken world. Not one thing has gone unseen. Not one thing has gone missed. It might be that you're sat here today and you're thinking, well, I know everything that I've done. How could God possibly love me after all of that? But you know, not one thing that you have done shocks him. Not one thing that you have done surprises him. Not one thing that you have done is too much for him. He sees it all and he knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you. And he is standing at the door of your heart this morning and he is knocking on that door because he is just longing to be able to pour his love into your life for you to be able to be rooted and established in his love. And he's just waiting for you to open that door and welcome him in. So let me encourage you, if you have not made that decision before, if you feel like you've been going through a time where you've turned your back on God and you've pushed him away, to open the door to him today, to welcome him in, to let him pour his love into your life. For you to begin to put your roots down into his love. Because there is no better decision that you can ever make. And we are rooted and established in the love of God. That's the foundation of everything, that God so loved us that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the starting point for Paul. You know, and as he prays for for the believers in, in Ephesus, it's the one statement, interestingly, it's the one statement that he makes in the past tense. It's a given. He says, as followers of Jesus Christ, you are rooted and established in love. And that being the case, that being the foundation, that being what has happened, whether you feel it or not, Paul goes on praying that then you would have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You see, it's one thing for the roots to go down. It's one thing for for us to to kind of put our roots there and to accept that God loves us and to, to decide we want to follow Jesus. But you know, God has more for us than that. And Paul's prayer is that we would grasp that more, that we would grasp just how incredible God's love really is. You know, and I want to share a few verses in the Bible that talk about God's love. And what I want to encourage you to do is just to do something a little bit different. To, To slow down right now and to shift from that kind of mental mode that you're in of taking in and digesting information. And instead to just position yourself in a place to receive from God to close your eyes and to invite God to pour his love into your heart as I share about these verses. Now earlier in Ephesians, in chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, we discover the truth that God knew you and loved you and chose you to be his child before the world even began. He has loved you for all eternity. Before the world was even made, God knew you and he loved you and he chose you to be his child. In Romans 8 verses 35 to 38, we find the truth that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. No matter what we do or we don't do, no matter what other people do or what happens or goes on in our life, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You don't have to question or doubt or worry or feel insecure because of what you see as your failures. God's promise is that no matter what, he loves you. And nothing can separate you from his love. In John 15 verse 9, Jesus is talking to his followers and he says one of the most mind-blowing statements in the Bible. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And, And just pause and think about that for a moment. Imagine the love that God the Father has for God the Son. for all eternity together imagine how perfect and complete that love is and Jesus says just as in the same way to the same measure to the same extent just as the Father has loved me so have I loved you remain in that love that's what Jesus thinks about you. That's how much Jesus loves you. know, this is a kind of love that we can't even begin to get our heads around or to comprehend. We just can't understand it with our minds. You know, something has to happen in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can get it. And that's why Paul goes on to pray not only that we would grasp it in our heads intellectually, that we would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, but that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. It goes beyond something that we can understand and for us to get it, it needs to become something that we experience. Not as a one-off, but continually. You know, this is a continual knowing and experiencing of the love of God as we plant ourselves by the river of God and put our roots down and draw our life from and soak in the love of God. that it becomes our life source, the very thing that nourishes us and makes us flourish and brings about that transformation from the inside out. So let me ask you something. And don't answer this quickly. This is just between you and God. I'm not going to ask for a show or anything else. But are you sure right now that Jesus Christ is crazy about you. That he loves you to the kind of extent that I've been talking about, that just as, in the same way as, to the same measure as the Father loves the Son, Jesus loves you. I don't mean just that you know that he loves the world, but that he loves you personally. Are you sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you? Or is there a part of you that wrestles with that? You know it in your head, maybe you've heard it already more times than you can even remember. But something in you wrestles with the idea that God loves you in that kind of a way. Somewhere inside you're not quite sure. Maybe you know that God loves you in some way, but the idea that He loves you like that, to the same extent as the Father loves the Son, that He loves you to that kind of an extent, to that kind of a measure, somehow you just find that that hard. Hard for you to really accept in your heart. And so you wrestle with it. And I I have to be honest and and say... Do you know, I've had times in my life where God has met with me and filled me with His Spirit and so moved in me that in that moment I have known beyond the shadow of a doubt how incredible God's love is for me and I would not even begin to question it. But you know, that knowledge, that, that confidence in my heart, in that moment begins to fade and hasn't always lasted. And so I've also had times while it's been something that I've known in my head and that I've experienced in the past where I've wrestled with it in my heart. And in those times it's easy to doubt and to question and to to drift towards somehow trying to earn God's love again. To feel like somehow I need to make up for my failures to be able to have that kind of an intimacy with Jesus. you know, it's a load of rubbish. It's a load of rubbish. God loves me because he loves me because he loves me. And he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And it doesn't matter what we've done or failed to do. He is waiting with open arms, longing to pour his love into our hearts again. And so one of the things that has has struck me about this vision in Ezekiel 47 and the the flow of the river and the life of God is how the trees are planted by the river. They've put their roots down and are continually, not just as a one-off, but continually drawing their life from the river. And you know, God's heart is not that we would come to him and receive something of his love and take a drink from the river and then just go and get on with life to the point where we just kind of begin to doubt and question and struggle and wrestle. His heart is that we would rearrange our lives to such a way that we would plant ourselves by the river that we would put our roots down and make drinking from him and receiving his love a continual, permanent feature of our lives. And so the challenge that I've been sensing and the challenge that I want to pass on to to you is to make time every day to simply receive from God. Not time when you're doing. Not time when you're, you're reading your Bible or time when you're asking God for things or you're talking to God about things. But time to simply receive from him. To begin by reading some verses from the Bible or putting on some music which focuses you on the truth of Jesus and his love for you. And simply let God know how much you want to meet with him. How much you need him. How much you're depending on him. And then simply receive. Wait on God. Rest in God's presence. And allow him to fill you with his love. So that you would not just grasp it with your mind. But you would experience it in your heart. And in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of all of the different stuff that fills our heads up, that can be hard. I know that. And there might be times when you try to do it and it just feels like a waste of time and I've been there too. But you know, every time is valuable because every time is an act of worship. And and God delights in the fact that you're just making time for him and you just want to be with him that you place that kind of value on him. And so I really believe that if we want to experience the flow of God's life into us, to bring about that transformation from the inside out, then God's call on us is to make time to rest in him. So that as Paul prays, we would know his love which surpasses knowledge and we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God.